This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As you can see, the title tonight of the message is this, Courageous Like David. Amen. And I have somehow come to find out that, I mean, really, pretty much everybody named David's pretty awesome. I... See, I mean, I got an amen in the back there, an obvious amen, but let's just, you know, let's establish that right from the beginning. David's, Dave's, Davis, you could play around with that, but pretty much they're all great guys. Now, who we're talking about tonight, though, is King David out of the Bible. And there's something interesting about David, is that the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And Acts chapter 10, or excuse me, Acts 13, verse 22. And it doesn't say that about anybody else. And I believe there were a lot of other great people that were men and women after God's own heart. But the Bible makes a specific point to say that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, okay? There's a lot of reasons, I believe. One is that he was willing to admit when he made a really stupid mistake, and he repented, But one reason that David was a man after God's own heart is because David was courageous. David was courageous. Now, a lot of people seem to have a misinterpretation of what the word courageous means. Courageous means the ability to conquer something that scares you. Because I hear some people say, yeah, this guy over here, he's really courageous. He's not afraid of nothing. That's cool, but... He may be fearless, but he's not courageous because you can't tell if someone's courageous until they face down a fear, until they face down something that intimidates them, until they face down something that's tried to hold them back. I mean, there's some, you know, maybe someone is fearless, but that does not mean you're courageous. And there's a lot of great people in the Bible that you'll see a lot of great people that that we've been studying on some uh, our Sunday morning class over there. And nearly every single one of them had to be courageous at one point or another in their life. And so maybe, you know, you're awesome and you've never had anything try to throw some fear into you. I have. I've had things try to throw some fear into me. But guess what? When we conquer those, when we face them, when we show the giant who's boss, you now get to enter into the league of those that we call courageous. And that's a pretty, that's a good company to be in right there. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at some things tonight about how David was courageous. And I want you to take note of some of these things because these can work in your life too. And they will work in your life too. If, uh, if you'll do what David did and you'll have your faith in God and in His Word. And so what I want to do is I want to open in prayer and then I want to tackle a few things here out of the life of David. And I believe if you'll give God a shot tonight that he'll speak to you and he will change your life. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church to come into and and sing praises to you, Lord, together. Lord, we do that on our own time sometimes, and that's great, but it's awesome to sing with our brothers and sisters, Lord. We have a place where we can open up your word, your holy written word. We do that on our own every day, God, but it's great to do it with our brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we're opening the word, as we're singing praise to you, that you will speak to us. Lord, you'll show us what we need to see. You'll tell us what we need to hear, whether we want to hear it or not. You'll speak the truth into our lives, God. And we thank you that we're changing for your glory. We praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, 
Amen. So why was David courageous? Well, one major reason why David was courageous is, number one, because he had a cause. David had a cause. Like, well, well, what does that mean? Well, well, let's just start things off with David for the most famous thing about him. Who, if I say David, what's the what's the first thing that kind of comes to your mind? Goliath, obviously, that's what David is most well known for, although he had an amazing list of other accomplishments that were pretty much equal to that. But I want to show you something here. We're going to open up our Bibles to First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel 17. Amen. Alex, you know what to do. First Samuel 17. Hit it. Thank you. So you're familiar with this story, but as you know, here we have the children of Israel, the Israelite army going up against the Philistine army. And these guys were not only a pretty powerful army, they're pretty much bullies. And one thing they had done is they had shut down all of the blacksmiths in Israel. So the, so the Israelite army, they couldn't make any more shields. They couldn't make any more swords. They couldn't make any more weapons. They were just in a bad spot. And here we have day after day. For 40 days at this point, 40 days, we're talking over a month, nearly a month and a half, we have the Philistine army on one hill over here. Then we have the Israelite army on one hill over here and, and, and a little valley in between. And there's this guy named Goliath, who's about nine feet and six inches tall, about nine foot six. That's a big guy. That's taller than Joseph here. And Joseph is about the tallest guy I know. But nine feet and six inches. That is huge. That's massive. But he's not one of those tall guys that's clumsy. I went to school with this kid that was six eight. He was clumsy as could be. I could dribble the ball between his legs and all sorts of stuff, and he could never catch up. But he was one of those clumsy guys that just tripped over himself. Goliath wasn't one of those guys. Goliath was nine feet, about six inches of pure muscle, pure athletic skill, pure everything, pure warrior. And so he comes out day after day, mocking, making fun, absolutely blaspheming the name of the God of Israel. And these guys, they put up with it. They sit there and they just listen day after day after day. And so David rolls up on the scene and he's like, what's what's with the big guy over here? Well, he's big and he's been making fun of us. And he said this. And then David asked an important question to his brothers and the rest of the army. He says, okay, what does the man get that actually takes this guy down? They're like, well, there's a, there's a big payday in it if somebody had the guts to go do it. Well, what does the man get, David says? Well, for one, he gets to marry the king's daughter. Like, And apparently she was pretty attractive. So they're like, okay, there's there's one good reason. And then the next reason... This man and his entire family is tax-exempt for the rest of their lives, excluding grocery bags and, and plastic drinking straws. But other than that, other than that, California, they didn't have to pay any taxes for the rest of their lives. And so David says, sign me up. I'm fixing to go kill a giant today. But man, he's got some guts. So look at this, First Samuel 17. Verses 28 and 29. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Sounds like a big brother, doesn't it? He, David's whole life was about 
taking care of the sheep. And he's like, what about those few sheep out there? I mean, come on. And she says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. You just came down here to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? That's a bold statement right there. You may not realize that. But but we could ask the same thing in your life today. Why did you quit fighting? Why did you let the enemy come in and just take ground in your life? Why did you give up? Is there not a cause? And there's a really sad thing that I see all around the world right now. I see a lot of people, Christians, they forget what they're even fighting for. They basically have no cause. And when you find somebody that doesn't have a cause to fight for, whether it be their family, their children, for whether it be uh, uh, their church, whether it be the, the God's kingdom, whatever it is, when you find somebody that has no cause in life, found a dead person. I'm, I mean, that's, that sounds awful to say. If you don't have something that you're fighting for, what's the point? I don't get that. Because I know this much, I've got an enemy that has a cause, and he's fighting for my family every day of the week. Am I right? I've got an enemy that's out there fighting to get me pulled off course to not be a godly man anymore seven days a week. He has a cause and he's fighting for it. And his cause is to take you down and to get you to let go of God on the way down. And so here we have the entire Israelite army and one person comes up and says, I'll go kill this guy right now. And they're like, and, and, and it makes them mad. They get angry. Why? Because somebody without a cause usually gets mad at the person that does have a cause. Because they're lazy. They don't see the point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, someone could probably take him down. I don't know. But why bother? Why even bother anymore? Man, that is, that is, that is sad to be in that spot. And here we have the actual army of Israel. And they've lost their cause. They have no reason why they're even in the army anymore. They have no reason. They don't even have any clue why it is that they're out there at battle. Yet the Philistines are punking them around every day, stealing their stuff, shoving them around, taking over their country. And these guys, they've lost the will to fight on. That's sad. But I know a whole lot of Christians like that today. They don't know what their cause is. They're out there without a cause. And that's why they quit fighting. So I'm telling you right now, why could David be so courageous? He wasn't out there just because he liked getting in fights. He was out there because he had a cause. And he said, is there not a cause? And here we have this Philistine army. They're invaders. They're taking over the Israelite homeland. Do you have any invaders coming into your life, trying to take over some ground in your life, trying to steal your peace, trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your wife, trying to steal your kids? Are there invaders that are trying to come in? Well, come on. You have a cause. You have something to fight for if the enemy sees that there's something worth stealing out of your life. And if you don't have a reason to fight, then then you're a mess. But listen to me right now. There is a cause. And David knew what that cause was, and he was not about to let the enemy come in and make fun of God Almighty 
in his presence. Now I can take care of, I can, I, I can deal with you making fun of a lot of things. I can deal with you, uh, disrespecting a lot of different things. And, and it's one thing to do it in your house, but to come into my house and make fun of Jesus and to come in to my front door and blaspheme the name of God Almighty. I'm telling you right now, you know, old Pastor Dave is a lover, not a fighter. I'm not out there. I, I'm a very soft, soft man. But if you come in to my residence and you want to blaspheme the name of God and make fun of my Jesus, you're about to see the fight inside of Pastor Dave right there, okay? You're about, you're, I mean, that's, that's, there are some lines that I've drawn in the sand and you will not come in to my house and blaspheme my God you will not come into my house and mess with my wife and my kid. There are some lines you don't cross because I have a cause that I'm worth that that I'm fighting for. You can go out there and make fun of my politics. I'm not going to fight over that. I don't really care that much. Uh, you can go out and make fun of all these different things in my life. Fine. But there are some lines that will not be crossed. And it's one thing if you want to make fun of God in your house. But if you're going to be an invader and come into my house and try to do it, I have a cause at this point. And I'm going to put up a fight over that. Come on. Right? And so you have to guard and you have to protect what is yours. And that's what David was doing. He wasn't out there trying to invade other people. But he was going to protect them from invading his space. And so David was so courageous because David had a cause. Well, what was another reason David was courageous? I'll tell you why David was courageous. Because he remembered the things that God had already brought him through. I'm going to say that about one more time because that wasn't loud. I said David could be courageous because he remembered the things that God had already brought him through. Now, do we have a group of people in here tonight that God has brought you through anything? I'm, I'm serious, man. I am serious right now. That God has brought me through some stuff. He has brought you through some stuff. And if you forget about that, you forget about the things God did for you. You forget about the last time God rescued you. No wonder you don't have any courage. No wonder. No wonder you don't have a cause. No wonder you don't even put up a fight when the enemy, when Satan himself comes in to your house and starts stealing from you. You don't even put up a fight. Because somebody that can't remember what God did last time, they're lost. They don't have a cause. They don't have anything. And so let's look here at verses 32 through 37. So David, he was very well aware of all that God had done for him so far. And keep in mind, we're talking about a teenage boy here. This is not King David at this point. This is like 17-year-old David at this point. And he, he, he was wise beyond most people I know already. But here we have a 17-year-old fighting this giant and coming out and, and remembering the things God did for him. So verse 32, he's talking to the king at this point, King Saul. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. I'm going to go fight. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And I can just imagine Saul saying, oh, I feel so much better now. You babysit sheep. You're perfectly qualified 
to go and kill the giant because you baby you babysit sheep and goats. Wow, I feel so much better right now. That, that's probably what I would have said. But he's like, no, it's, it's all good. I've been taking care of the sheep and the goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now that's when I'm going to start listening. You will, you're willing to chase down a bear with a stick. I, you have something to say that I would like to hear. Because I'm not willing to fight a bear with a stick over the life of a goat. Okay? I'm just going to be flat out with you right now. I, Josh and I, we were raised in the country and we had goats. Am I right? Goats are not pleasant. Uh, they're annoying, and I, there's really, I, I don't have much need for a goat. And there's no way in the world that I'm going to go and risk my life to save a goat or a sheep. I'm going to say, Bear, you can take that one. There's a couple more over here. <laughs> I'll be headed to the house. But David, he didn't do that. He said, I, I, I got this. I can kill him because I, whenever, whenever a, a lion or a bear comes and tries to attack one of the sheep, I chase it down with a club. Beat it up, get, get, get it back. And so I go after it with the club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Like, my gosh, man, this kid is nuts. I've never heard anything like this in my life. To catch a lion by the jaw and beat it over the head with a stick. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the, from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Now, what did David just do right here? David was facing a pretty bad situation, and David started bringing up old testimonies. David started bringing up previous victories of things that God had done in his life. And I can tell you right now, if I'm facing a giant in my life, which I have and which I do, you better, you better believe that I'm going to start bringing up the things that God's already done for me in the past. I'm not going to sit there and be quiet and, and just try to mull it over in my mind and, okay, I, I, I'm sure I could come up with some sort of a game plan here. I'm going to start testifying. I'm going to start bringing up the things that God has already brought me through up until this point in time. That's what David did. And as David starts doing it, man, I can just see him starting to, man, yeah, yeah, I'm ready for a fight. I want to go out. I can't wait to face this guy. Because when you start testifying, even if it's to yourself, when you start bringing up the previous victories in your life that God gave you, you start to get excited. I'm telling you, I, 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 can't, I can't bring up when God healed me of cancer and not be happy about that. that. That makes me pretty excited. I can't bring up when God healed my dad of cancer and not get a little bit excited right now. I can't bring up when God healed Miss Pam of cancer, Mr. Dylan of cancer. When God brought you guys out of the ditch, I can't talk about that and, and, and sit there and be quiet and not get a little bit excited right there. You've got to learn to testify, and you've got to learn to start bringing up the previous victories that God already gave you. And David was an absolute expert at doing this. Because this is not the only time that David did this. Hold your place in 1 Samuel 17 and look at Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. 
But I'm trying, I, I am telling you tonight how to be courageous. We're giving you step-by-step instructions on how to have some courage in your life. Because if there's one thing that I have a hard time with, it's a Christian that's fearful and timid and afraid and doesn't fight back when the devil comes knocking on their door. I don't, that, that's, I don't like to say it, but that's, that's nearly mind-blowing to me. God is on your side... And you're going to sit there and be scared. God is on your side and you're his child. You're his son and his daughter. And the enemy's going to come and huff and puff and, 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 and threaten to blow your house down. And you're going to sit there and be afraid? I mean, that's, I, that is, that's beyond my comprehension. If, if that's the route you want to go, then, then more power to you. But I'm telling you right now, I don't get that at all. That does not make one lick of sense to me for a child of God to sit there and be fearful and afraid and intimidated by the devil. Doesn't make any sense at all. So Psalm chapter three. And David, here he is, he's talking to God. He says, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. Okay. Well, guess what? You probably have some enemies too. And I'm not talking about other human beings. You probably got some things, some fear, some anxiety, some sickness. You probably got some enemies that are trying to gang up on you too. So many against you. So many are saying, I'll never rescue him. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. To read that right there. That's enough right there. To, that, that's all you would need right there. To be able to say, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. That's incredible. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. And so here, David, this is some past tense stuff he's saying. This is something that's already happened at one point in time. I cried out and God answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. Yet I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. Look at that. So David starts off this chapter saying, man, there's a lot against me right now. But then he starts saying, wait, there's that one time that, that, that I prayed and then the Lord answered me from his holy mountain. There was that one time that I laid down and slept, but I woke up in complete safety because God was watching over me. Now look at the tone he takes in this next verse. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Are you getting that? Here he is. He starts out, you know, man, there's a lot against me. He starts testifying. He starts bringing up previous victories. And next thing you know, he's like, wait a minute. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies surrounding me on every side. This is what somebody with courage does. They may start out acknowledging, well, yeah, there are a lot against me. But then the courageous person will start testifying. Then the courageous person will start bringing up previous victories. And next thing you know, you have to hold the courageous person back from beating everybody around them. Come on. We're talking about a master of courage right here. We're talking about King David. And so my question to you is this. Do you remember all the things that God has brought you through? Okay, now now listen, it's one thing to say amen. I mean, I have a physical memory of it. Uh, Yes, that did happen that one time. I'm talking about, do you on a regular basis 
remember and think about the things that God has brought you through. I hope so. I surely hope so, because I know a whole lot of people that God brought them out of a mess. And they don't, I mean, they hardly ever even acknowledge it. They don't tell other people about it. They quit thanking God himself about it. They're just like, yeah, 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 I guess, yeah, I forgot about that. That did happen that one time. What in the world? I remember this one guy. He had a massive heart attack. I mean, a, a legit heart attack. And, and we prayed for him. And, I mean, God saved his life and raised him up from a deathbed. He was like, oh, wow, that, you know, that's great. And, you know, he's in the hospital for a little bit, got out. Didn't see the guy come to church for like three months. I'm like, are you kidding me? If God Almighty saved me from a massive heart attack that nearly took me out at a young age, I would be plastered to that altar every day for the next year. You kidding me? I, there's no, I would be thanking God every single day and I'd be telling the devil about it every single day. Ha! You lost. You tried to kill me, but God had other plans and God brought, God brought me out of that. That's what I'd be doing. But there's a whole lot of people that God has done some miraculous things in their life. They don't remember it. They don't ever think about it. They got, they got what they needed. They, they got there. They, they pulled the lever and got their miracle and now they're on their own. That, you know, they're, they're out there wandering in la la land until they need their next one. Um, thank God that He's rich in mercy. Thank God that, that He loves you. But man, it shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. And here David is. He's, he's bringing forth the previous victories because he did not forget what God had done for him. And so I'm challenging you tonight. I'm calling you out. If God's done something in your life, which obviously he has because you're sitting here right now, listen to me. Don't, don't forget about it. I wouldn't let God forget about it. And I surely wouldn't let the devil forget about it. I'd remind, I would rub his face in it every single day. You tried to kill me, man, but you lost. You didn't, it, it, it didn't work. And because the devil can try his best, but his best is never enough for a child of God. Amen. And so David would bring up previous victories. And, 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 and one thing that happens when you start bringing up previous victories is it turns into joy. And the devil does not want you to have joy. He doesn't. Well, why doesn't he want you to have joy? Because according to Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So somebody that's full of joy, according to the Bible, they're going to be a strong person. And I'd, I'd much rather try to get rid of a, a tackle a weak person than a really strong person. And the devil has that much sense too. But listen to me right now. When you start bringing up your testimonies, when, you, when you're the type of person that doesn't forget what God did for you, you're a joyful person. You can't help but be joyful remembering the things that God did for you. And so David, in this chapter right here, he starts out with some of that. Well, there's a lot against me, but next thing you know, he is ready to go out and take on a whole 10,000 other enemies all at once. You need courage. I'm telling you right now, whether you know it or not, you need courage. We need some courageous 
Christians in our midst. We need some courageous Christians in this city. We need some courageous Christians in the state of California and in the United States of America. We need them. We need people that, even though the devil may come and try to put some fear on them, they don't back down. They fight. They're in it for the fight because they have a cause. They have a cause. You need to be a Christian that has a cause. And so the third thing we're going to say is this about how could David, how could he have so much courage? Why was David courageous? Because he trusted God. Now, that sounds like a, that sounds like a pretty uh, generic thing to say, in my opinion, to just say, you know, he trusted God. Everybody, but when you let that sink into your heart and you actually get what, what, what that, that could either be so generic, that could either be so trite that it just, yeah, yeah, of course, he trusted God, whatever. Or you could get that in your heart and say, my gosh, this guy trusted God. Because I know any Christian that I ask, in fact, I'll probably just do a poll sometime, but uh, any Christian I ask, you trust in God on that? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I trust God, yes, of course. Of course I trust God. Really? I'm calling your bluff on that because you don't you don't talk like somebody that trusts God. You don't sound like because somebody that's confident, they have they, they sound like they're confident. The devil's beating us up all week, but we're trusting God. <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, that sounds mean, but come on, seriously, seriously. If you're trusting God, you would say something like, oh, there's a lot against me right now, but God, I laid down and slept that night and I woke up in safety because God himself guarded me. I'm ready to take on 10,000 enemies. I hope more comes against me because I'm ready for a fight. And then I would say, she trusts God. I don't stay out of her way. She trusts God. (laughs) But listen to me. David trusted God. He really sincerely did. That wasn't just some cute thing to say. That wasn't just, yeah, I'm trusting you. No. David trusted God. And you need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest with yourself. In your situation, honestly, are you really trusting God? Or do you have a lot more? Are you looking to somebody else? Are you, are you hoping that something else will come through? Are you really trusting God for that answer? Because I have found that almost all the time, when we really get down to it, we're not really, truly, fully trusting in God and God alone. We're, we're, we mix him into the equation, and we wish... And we hope that something would get a little bit better. But honestly, most Christians I talk to, they are not seriously 100% trusting God. That's something, and, and hey, only you can be honest with yourself on that. But seriously, get real. Are you really honestly trusting God? Or are you just saying that and hoping that the man comes through for you somewhere along the way? Thank you, Leah. That was good. Okay, and so David trusted God. Why why was David so trustful of God? Well, I'll tell you one thing, because at one point already, David had been anointed king. 
Well, what does that mean? That means God made David promises about his future. And David said, well, if God already promised me this about my future, then there's no way I can go out there and get killed by the giant because then God's promise wouldn't come to pass. Duh. This is a win-win situation. I've got to win. And so what about you tonight? Has God made promises to you about your future? Then go fight the giant. You're going to win. Because you've got to be alive for your future, for the promises to come true. That's really good news. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to fight that giant and any other giant that wants to step in my way. Because God already promised me a whole bunch of stuff about my future. And God's word has to come true, because God is not a man that he should lie. In fact, God cannot lie. And so, if God said, hey, I've got this for your future, you're going to raise kids, you're going to have grandkids, you're going to have... Then I'm like, boom. That settles it. Let's go and get into this fight right now. And so David, he already had promises about his future. And he's like, this is a win-win situation. There's not a chance that I can lose this fight. So First Samuel 17, we're talking about having some courage tonight because I love courageous people. I love, I love courageous people. I want to be around them. I want to hang out with them. I want to learn from them. And cowards, well, I don't really care to be around cowards. They'll pull you down and they'll, and they'll try to ruin your life too. Okay? 1 Samuel 17, verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. I a dog, he roared at David. You come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. If anything else, that that probably really lit the fuse in David. And so he's out there cursing David by the names of his gods. Come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to me. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword, a spear and javelin. <laughs> But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. So David was like, oh, my gosh, this fool's worse off than I thought he was. He's out here with a sword. He's out here with a spear and a javelin. And you think you think you're going to really come up against the God of the armies of Israel with that. And guess what? He's my God. And he is not happy with you. You have defied him. And so David hands it right back to him. And David says, today the Lord will conquer you and I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Mm, that 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 is something right there, because the the, the the enemy came and saying, I'm going to do this to you, do this to you, do this to you. And the average Christian would be like, oh, gee, he's oh, no, here it comes. Oh, God. They'd go into a panic attack. But David says, oh, my gosh, oh, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to cut your head off, man. You're a fool. And then I'm going to feed the bodies of all of your men who, by the way, I'm also going to kill. I'm going to feed their bodies to the birds and to the wild animals. What do you think about that? Like, man, I love a person of courage. 
And then he says, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. Can I get an amen at least on that right there? But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. If you don't get anything else tonight, get what David just said right there. He said, this is the Lord's battle. David could have gone out there and said, this is my battle. This is my moment. He could have done that. But he didn't. He said, man, this is the Lord's battle. And too many of you, too many of us, we're out there fighting battles, but we've never made it the Lord's battle. We've made it our battle. And we lose time and time again. But God, why? Well, you were out there trying to do it on your own. You're out there trying to outsmart the enemy. You're out there trying to make it happen within your own resources, within your own ability. But David didn't do that. David, time and time again, well, God did this, God did that, God did this. And then he comes to the giant and says, I'm going to kill you in the name of God. This is the Lord's battle. And I'm going to win. I'm going to, because if, if it's God's battle, why would I be afraid? He's never lost. Now, Pastor Dave has lost some battles that he's put into his own hands. I'm, and I'd imagine that you've lost plenty of your own battles. There's never been one time in my life that there has been a battle that I said, God, this one's yours. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You want me to throw a rock at him? I'll throw a rock. You want me, whatever you say to do, I'll do it. But listen, this is your battle. Never lost one of those, ever. Whether it be cancer, whether it be child issues, whether it be marriage issues, whether any time that I've made it God's battle, I'm batting a thousand. Thousand. And I, I say that with confidence. That's not a lie. That's not stretching the truth. Every single time that I've made it God's battle, I have won every single time. I have suffered losses in my life, but they've always been when it was my battle, when it was not God's battle. And so David said something that is so powerful and so true for you to see right there. And notice something else David did. He was so confident about his victory, he started announcing the outcome in the middle of the battle. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. Now, it's, the, it's one thing to say that after you've already knocked him down. It's one thing to say that after something else. But to say that before the, before the first shots have been fired, to be able to say that and say, I guarantee you I'm going to win this. No doubt about it. And everybody else is saying, it doesn't look good, man. I, I don't know how you're going to do this. I will guarantee you that I'm going to win this battle. Promise you. There's not a chance I'm going to lose. That takes some guts. Come on. Don't lose me now. That takes some, that takes some guts in the middle of the battle to start announcing the outcome already. Saying, it's over. Nothing to see here, folks. Show's over. I'm knocking them down right now. You can get a look if you want to, but I'm telling you right now, this battle is over. I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to cut his head off. Then I'm going to get rid of all his guys, too. Like, man, that takes some guts. That takes some courage. Uh, I'm running out of time, but I want you to, we're going to come back here to see the happy ending. Mark 11, 23. Because what I'm talking about is actually trusting God, not just saying it with your mind, not just telling all the Christians sitting around you right now, Amen, I trust God, brother. Amen. Okay, that, I mean, of course, you're in church. We're going to make fun of you if you don't say amen to that. But at the same time, we're talking about really, really trusting God. You see, because you got to get belief from your mind into your heart. 
Because if there's just a, if there's just a belief in your mind, someone could come and talk you out of that. But when you believe in your heart, nobody can talk you out of that. When you've got it in your heart that this is true and that this is right and that you are going to win. When you get it from here and into here, nobody can take that away. That I, I, I can guarantee you right now, there's not a chance in this world, I would bet you a zillion dollars, that you couldn't talk me out of the fact that Jesus Christ is real, that he's God's only begotten son, and that I'm going to heaven someday. You can, you can try your best. There's no way you would talk me out of that. I'm, I, because I believe it right here. Now, there was a one point I had to at least acknowledge it in my mind. That, yeah, okay. But when it got into here, you couldn't talk me out of that for anything. Right? Come on. And, 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 in, and in your life, there's some things that you better have in here that nobody could convince you otherwise of. Nobody could talk you out of. But if it's just up here, somebody could... Well, you know, the odds say and, and the experts and, and, and I saw this on TV and, and you'll start. Well, I guess you're right. Maybe. I, but if it's in here, you're not letting go of it. And that's what Mark eleven twenty three says. It says, for verily, I say unto you that whosoever. Well, that would mean me. That would mean you. Whosoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Did it say those, that, that if you won't doubt the things that are in your mind and shall not doubt in his heart. David did not doubt in his heart. It's one thing to have a little doubt going on. But David, in his heart, in his heart of hearts, he knew the giant was going to fall. And you need to see that in your life, too. Whatever the giant is, whatever it is, I don't know, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, some other thing, maybe it's depression, whatever the case is, you, in your heart, you better see that thing coming down. And until you do, it's probably going to stand there. And it's probably going to defy you every day. And it's probably going to huff and puff and make fun of you until you get it in your heart. I'm taking this thing down once and for all. I'm going to kill it. Then I'm going to cut off its head to make sure it's dead. You know what I mean? So what I do with a snake. I don't take chances. I'll shoot it, but boom. <laughs> anyway, sorry if you're a snake lover, but the head's got to go. The head has got to go. And so you may not know how the giant is going to fall. I don't know. How the, I just know that it's going to fall. Well, I'll believe it when I can figure this out. Good luck. You may not know how it's going to fall. But you better believe that the giant's going to fall. And so let's finish this up. First Samuel 17, verses 48 through 51. And so they're out there yelling at each other. They're out there giving it to each other. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David slyly, David, very, very creepily, David snuck over there behind trees, dashing between stones and, and, and doing an army roll each, no. David stinking quickly ran to meet him. Stinking was added for emphasis. David quickly ran to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and he hit the Philistine right in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. Boom, there it is. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. 
So you see, li- listen to me. When you, when, when you start doing these things that David did, when you start trusting God, when you start bringing up the previous victories, David no longer saw the giant as a giant problem. He saw a giant opportunity. And you'll see that in your life. That the thing that used to terrify you, you'll say, wait a minute. I kill this thing. I knock it down. I've got the biggest testimony I've ever had in my life. Uh, if I actually, if I kill, the, if I cut its head off and I destroy this thing, listen, I'm going to have the biggest, I'm going to rub the devil's face. This is the greatest opportunity of my entire life. I'm glad I've got this situation. I'm glad that I've got a giant to face. Because listen, nobody talks about somebody that, that never did anything with their life. We talk about and we remember people that killed giants in their life. And so if you'll step up to the plate and you'll fight that thing that's trying to fight you, you're going to win. God's on your side. You're going to cut its head off and you're going to have the biggest testimony that Barstow has ever heard of. You're going to have the biggest testimony in the high desert. But listen to me. It is not going to happen if you don't figure out how to get some courage. And we gave you an excellent head start tonight. We told you three things about David that will work in your life if you'll receive it and if you'll work the word. Amen? We're out of time. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.